it's time for another Red Box review with your host, Cool Whip and Sugar Succotash. <laughs> Welcome to Cool Whip and Sugar Cane's Red Box Movie Reviews. I'm Cool Whip. I'm Sugar Cane. And I'm Juicebox. And we are here bringing back something that has been locked away in a box for a very long time. Uh, pardon the pun there. Uh, but Cool Whip and Sugar Cane's Red Box Movie Reviews is a podcast where we go review a movie, um, uh, formerly that came out of a Red Box, but this right. week we all decided to go to the movies, and uh, we're going to review Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Quentin Tarantino's highly anticipated ninth film, which is a bit confusing. And uh, speaking of confusing, for those of you out there expecting an episode of Raising Nashville this week, this is our persona uh, from a previous podcast where uh, obviously we reviewed movies. Yeah, uh, we did. Uh, we did a lot of Redbox movies, so this is kind of nice to actually do a, a decent feature film. Sure, not straight, <laughs> not straight to DVD. And w- with Cool Whip and Sugar Cane's Redbox movie reviews, I think we did a podcast of about forty different episodes of movies that we saw, including mm-hmm. um, you know the famed movies that that really stood out to me. One was uh, Haunted Casino. Oh God! Do you remember that one? Yeah, terrible. Yeah. Um, Oh man, for me, Hobo with a Shotgun, pretty awesome. That movie was something else. Um, So, Cool Up and Sugarcane are back, and we are ready uh, because this week we went to the movies to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and we're excited to talk about it. Kind of give our review on the film, and then get into a little Tarantino-related subject matter. Sure. uh, Throughout this, this because it's a big deal right now. Uh, To me, it's always a big deal when Quentin Tarantino releases is a movie right um it started what in the late 80s early 90s late early 90s with reservoir dogs and has continued Mm -hmm. nine films which to be honest with you uh sugarcane i actually think this was the 10th film and if you do the math correctly uh it shows that it's the 10th film but he's claiming nine what what do you what else did he direct? Four rooms at his section in four rooms. I'm not counting four rooms. Uh, for those of you who don't know, he did direct a room Segment. in the movie Four Rooms. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, also he wrote the script for True Romance and wrote sold it. it to make Reservoir Dogs. Right. Um, so that was a big deal. Uh, he also is credited for writing. Is it from Dust Till Dawn? He's I think co-writer. He wrote yeah him and Robert Rodriguez wrote that Say, like split it or whatever i guess basically he there did were the couple, first half couple um, other he also he wrote did. natural born killers that was right. it that's the one i was thinking but of. but he wanted to, after oliver stone made it he wanted to like take his name off of it because he said he changed the script like changed it so much from what it was originally yeah so i mean he has accolades in writing and producing and uh but obviously directing and back to why i think this is the 10th film is because when you count them reservoir dogs was number one mm-hmm. pulp fiction was number two Jackie Brown comes in number three. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, the next were Kill Bill Volume One and Kill Bill Volume Two. That brings us up to five, right? Mm-hmm. And then you've got Inglorious Bastards, Death Proof, 
Death Proof, Django Unchained, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and The Hateful Eight. That, if I'm counting correctly, is 10 films. So I guess he's just counting Kill Bill as one movie. Correct. And I had to go back and look at this, and it is, and he originally intended it for it to be one movie, but every producer and seller out there in Hollywood basically said you can't put out a four and a half hour movie. Like, it's just not going to sell, and people aren't going to go to it. So he ends up splitting it up and releasing it year after year. But this week, we're actually going to review one of his movies, because all of us want to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and most of you have seen previews out there in the preface for this, which is, you know, it's basically a story of a failed actor and his stunt double or stunt partner um, uh, trying to make it through a Hollywood they no longer exist in. And it also has to do with uh, Hollywood in 1969, which most people out there know was the time of the Charlie Manson murders. Yeah, TV was becoming really big. He's uh, DiCaprio's character. I wouldn't say he's a failed actor. He's just becoming more and more obsolete. Yeah. Movies are starting to to take off, and TV acting is, or I guess not not movies are taking off. I guess TV's more become playing more of a mainstay. Sure. So, um, yeah, it's it's interesting. So this is his period piece. Eh, yeah, I guess, I guess you could say that. I think it's certainly an ode to Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, real quick, so you guys went, you guys saw the movie earlier in the week, and I had to go see it last night to catch up and. Uh, I just want to tell this quick story. So I had to see it at 930 at night and it's a long movie. It's three hours long. And I, of course, I can't, I'm, I have compulsions. I got a large popcorn and uh, two bags of candy. <laughs> of course you did. And I woke up at 6 a.m. this morning and threw it all up. Oh, it man. trying to tell my daughter that you actually, actually got sick from popcorn. I actually got sick from yeah, popcorn. That's great. Man. Yep. Yep. It's tough, man. For those of you old fans of Cool Whip and Sugar Cane's Redbox movie reviews, we always kicked off the episode with a segment, uh, which was our favorite segment on the thing. It's where we read the plot from the movie um, that is posted online, and then we kick it back to Juicebox for a segment called Plot by Juicebox. Okay, IMDb description. A faded television actor and his stunt double strive to achieve fame and success in the film industry during the final years of Hollywood's golden age in 1969 Los Angeles. That is about as vague as you can get. So what we like to do is we kick it back to Juicebox for his thoughts on the movie and a plot straight from him. In 1969 Los Angeles, a dude that's a really good actor and Brad Pitt drive around in a car, smoke cigarettes, and drink. There's a murder, or a not a murder, and there's a flamethrower. The end. <laughs> and that'll sum it up. I mean, that, that, yeah. that gets yeah. your juices flowing to go see a movie, right? I, I heard flamethrower right at the end, which immediately I, I want to go see that. I heard yeah. drinking and smoking cigarettes, man. Yeah. <laughs> that was one thing. One note I took, um, or one note I made, was that it was like borderline painful to watch Leonardo DiCaprio smoke cigs in this movie. That's true. Like, uh, it was just like he portrayed the person that had smoked way too many cigarettes in their life perfectly. Like, there was a yeah. couple times where he's like hit, taking a hit off the smoke and like coughing and gagging. It's like, oh my God, this is killing me. But yeah, like, like Juicebox said, uh, stars Leonardo DiCaprio. We'll go through some actors in this. Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Margot got Robbie. Margot Robbie. Uh, those were the 
famous build actors. Now, with Tarantino films, I always love the kind of supporting cast because he is notorious for bringing in all of these actors who either are part of his inner circle or actors that he loves mm-hmm. or a random appearance by... Samuel Jackson? No, the guy with the first and last name that you could switch. Keith David? Tatum Channing? Channing Tatum? I was thinking mm-hmm. Keith David Keith. Yeah. No. That's that's for another day. That's a different, yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, the supporting cast in this one is, is pretty long. I mean, you have like Dakota Fanning, um, and you haven't heard her name in forever. Yeah, uh, Al Pacino's in it. Al Pacino, actually, uh, yeah, I made some notes on Pacino. Which is Al Pacino makes an appearance, and then Kurt Russell uh, is notorious. He's been in a few Tarantino films. Michael Madsen makes yet another Tarantino appearance in this movie. Man. God, is- such a small part too. That- it was like just enough Michael Metz. I didn't know yeah. if that was him or some old lady. Right. <laughs> I, I was like, dude, what is happening? He has definitely not aged well. No. That was tough. Uh, Bruce Dern is in it. Bruce dude, Dern? I thought Bruce Dern was dead. <laughs> no. That was a present, pleasant surprise because he's awesome. He's been in some great movies. And he's also been in a Tarantino film in The Hateful Eight. He's the guy in the chair. What stood out to me was the little girl. My wife watches a show called American Housewife or something. It's like a sitcom that comes on Wednesday nights, ABC. And the youngest daughter of is Atlanta? in this movie. No, not not real housewives. American Housewife. Oh. Um, so the youngest daughter is in that in this film and i think she does a pretty good job there are a few others that like uh one of my favorite is is every time i see a zoe bell sighting because she is the stunt actress who has been in with tarantino since kill bill right she did all the stunts in kill bill she was like basically put on a pedestal in uh death proof yeah and then she's done every female stunt in tarantino movies and she got another acting role in this one luke perry had a quick little cameo luke perry's last film ever timothy Um, oliphant which that prosthetic on it it, i was very distracted i was like this dude just doesn't look yeah his healthy or something yeah he he was weird i didn't i didn't love him in which one was he he's the actor opposite dicaprio in the tv show oh yeah 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 he's been in like the girl next door and and a bunch of tv stuff yeah from what i remember yeah yep I was surprised Samuel L. Jackson wasn't in the movie. Dude, I made a note about that. I like I just kept waiting for him to pop up. Just like, something, right? And fun I mean, well, interesting fact, there are no African American people in this movie. That's another I I, I noted that too. I like, did not notice that. Yeah. Which I mean, he's usually very diverse and I mean Mm-hmm. Nothing. There's there wasn't anything, and I mean maybe that's a play on the times. Cause I think that is. I think that's a commentary, like a comment on on Hollywood. On Hollywood at that that point in time. Yeah, because it's all Western and mm-hmm. yeah, FBI shows, cop shows. Uh, who plays Charles Manson? Um, I can't remember what that guy's name is. Steve Zahn. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> Clearly, Steve. Zahn. I hope that's not who you saw. Um, um, his well, name is Damon Harriman. Yeah. Um, who is that guy? I don't, I don't know, but he had a very small part in this movie. If you think that it has a lot to do with Charles Manson, uh, it doesn't. In fact, I think nope. he is in the movie for 30 seconds. Yeah. Um, which is actually good. I'm glad. So it, it just happens to be around the time of the Manson murders, and the Manson family is kind of prevalent in more or less a scene or two in this movie the manson family is yeah and it's it's with i guess are we spoiling things or what are we doing i think yeah i think i guess we're gonna have to just say spoiler alert if you haven't seen this movie by now um well 
you can stop this podcast. Yeah, I mean we're just gonna, we're going to talk about it. So yeah, so it's a it's an alternate timeline on the on the Manson murders. Sure, and that's and that's clearly. I mean, it's heavily involved, so yeah, that's that's which, what it is. Which but Tarantino has used in the past, um, you know, this alternate it, timelines. Yes, yeah, it, it kind of gives you that inglorious bastards feel. Well, yeah, I th- I feel like he's just built his own alternate reality. Sure, like where things have happened differently. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, that's I, a good way to put it. Yeah. So I wonder if Inglorious Bastards is in the same timeline as this film. Do you I think? think so. So I did read this, which is an interesting fact about Tarantino, is that Inglorious Bastards was written and ready to go before the Kill Bill idea even started. Yeah, I'd, I'd read he'd, he'd had that under his... Uh... Yeah. And I'd always read this and thought it was hilarious, but apparently Inglorious Bastards is the product of a night of hanging out with Brad Pitt and drinking eight bottles of wine and smoking like five joints. <laughs> and apparently they woke up the next day. They don't remember what happened the night before, and the script was written on the table. That is the legend of how Inglorious Bastards came to light. Oh, I thought. I, I thought. Is that I was... when they decided that Brad Pitt was going to do that? Fucking accent. I I know I've told you guys this like off mic a million times, but I cannot stand his accent in that movie. Like first, it takes me out of the movie. Like I completely agree that not everything Tarantino does is gold. Um, No, uh, no. I think he makes mistakes. He corrects those mistakes and other mistakes come from that. Yeah. I, I, I just don't think Brad Pitt's a great actor. I do not either, man. I, I mean, I, I never really have. I feel like he's always just got that fucking stupid half smirk on his face and like every <laughs> single role that he's in, he's, everything he does. He's just a good looking dude. That's pretty That's much it. That's why you don't like yeah. him. No, no, no. I mean, That's I don't why think, I don't like him. I mean, I think DiCaprio's probably a good looking dude too, right? But I mean, DiCaprio's clearly got some acting chops. Brad Pitt, I think... You just put him in there and have him say whatever. That his accent in this isn't great. He's just kind of. But with oh, that, yeah. I think it was him. All right. Yeah. No, I don't. With I that think, being said, I might be the only person in the room that thought that Brad Pitt did a really good job in this movie, and I thought the movie was actually more centered around him than it was DiCaprio after seeing it. Um, or he gets some pretty. He gets better scenes. I mean, they're at they're times. co-stars. They both yeah. get about the same amount of screen time for sure. Yeah, and they're playing completely different role. You know, yeah. I think from the outset of the movie, it begins with their the newscasters interviewing him at the beginning, and he's like, "Well, tell me, what do you do?" And he's like, "You know, oh, uh, Cliff Booth, he pretty much carries my load. Is that true? Yeah, I carry his load. That's pretty much." What happens in this movie? Yeah, yeah sure. exactly. I mean, he carries the violence. He carries the, and then who gets all the who gets all the glory? It's it's homeboy. So th- so let me ask you guys this: If they switch the roles, if Brad Pitt played Rick fucking Dalton, and uh, <laughs> you have to say Leo, that when yeah, you mention exactly. his name, and Leo played uh, what's it, Cliff or whatever? Would <sighs> it see? I feel like Leo could have played Cliff. I don't feel like Brad Pitt could have played. Uh, I don't fucking Dalton. I don't I think Leo could have played Cliff. I don't think he's got the body type for it. And I there th- are a lot of shirtless Brad Pitt scenes in this movie. I think you could. I think Caprio could get the body. That's not a problem. I think he'd kill it as Cliff. I think he'd probably do a better job. <laughs> I don't think he would. He could probably play both parts. See, I'm exact opposite of you guys in the fact that I don't think Leonardo DiCaprio is that good of an actor, and I hmm. think he plays the same Man. role in every movie he's in. He's kind of like my. Uh, uh, Brad Pitt? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. 
Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt is he is the same Denzel dude. Washington. Yeah, he's, he's considered an incredible actor. Same same person in every movie. Oh, dude. I think Leo's the same way, except in this one he added a stutter. I I disagree, man. I dude. I think a DiCaprio is the only yeah. reason this movie. Okay, okay. Let I me like, let did, me take it back. I, Leo in Tarantino movies has opportunities to get a little out there. Like one of my favorite scenes from any Tarantino movie ever is Django Unchained, where he's talking about old Ben with that skull at the dinner table. Now that was something I was just like, and whoa about, but everything up to that, I was like, ah, he's playing this candy guy and he's just an asshole Leo. And then this one, he was just a stuttering Leo. See, I don't know, man. There were, there was so many subtleties to this character in this, to Rick fucking Dalton, like, yeah, it, it, he killed it. Like, like yeah. you said, you you say a stutter. That's just like a minor little thing, like that he's built on top of this character to like make this guy seem like kind of like an insecure mess that knows his career is like on the downward slope. Everything he does is just perfect in this movie. I agree. Like, I'm gonna go off on okay. a tangent here. Okay. Uh, the the scene where he's acting and he's fucking up his lines and he like has to do a retake. And then they show his whole little meltdown in his trailer after that. And he's like pep talking himself. <laughs> and then he goes back out and just crushes that next scene. Like that scene Ish. gave me like chills. It was just like, so, I mean, it was so powerful. Like everybody has those moments where they're just like, have to pep talk themselves or shit talk themselves. They're like, dude, you, I fucked up. What the fuck is wrong with me? Like, okay. I I mean, I'll give you that when he's staring in that mirror in that trailer and he takes on two different people. Yeah. to me, that, that was hilarious. He's, yeah. He's like, I'll go home and blow your fucking brains out of the pool tonight. I'll fucking do it. Like, So there, there's few actors that act in a film that they play an actor that's also playing other roles. Like, I, I think of Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder, and I know that's a comedy, but... <laughs> but to think that that same scene, I, I'm I'm deeply impressed with it. I think yeah. I think when Tarantino does something great, it's flawless. And this is there's a few instances of flawless in here, and that's one of them. But they they have they got Timothy. They're doing that scene in the in the saloon, and they switch around. They pan around Timothy Oliphant, mm-hmm. and DiCaprio fucks his lines up. Yeah. So he fucks his lines up. All right. So DiCaprio's an actor playing. <laughs> an actor an actor who's playing a part and he fucks his lines up and then he comes out of that and he's and he's he's like oh i'm sorry man i fucked my lines up can, can we do it again and then they do then they shoot it again and he and he gets the line right he's he's there's layers there there's depth yep. it's it's killer man and it's it's also followed up by probably one of the best individual scenes in the movie which is um, when he's got the little girl hostage yep. and Timothy yeah, Oliphant yeah, walks yeah. in. And that, to me, with the girl, with him, everything happening in that scene, it's almost like Tarantino took you out of the movie you were watching and put you in that movie or that TV show. Yeah, And that happens a couple of times in this movie. Um, yeah. And that's why I like it so much because there's so many different opportunities for you to go inside something else in this movie, which is that layer of depth you've talked about. Like yeah. when Margot Robbie is going to watch her film in the theater and you go inside that movie. And yeah. um, it, and it was the original Sharon Tate. Like I like that. They oh, didn't yeah. Like reshoot that or whatever. They just showed the original movie. That was that. That is a good point. That was um, a nice touch. Yeah, it was awesome. That's funny. I, I could have cut that whole scene out of that movie. I was like, what? <laughs> Does this even belong here? He was was building a character at that point. That has no arc 
get it out. Sure. Uh, so Personally, if sorry. we want to talk about scenes, that is to me probably top two or top three scenes in the movie. Another one to me, one of my favorite scenes is from the time Brad Pitt climbs up on top of that house to fix his antenna mm -hmm. to the time it shoots back to Brad Pitt. When it goes back to the reason why he is not with DiCaprio on that set is because he did something on a previous set that kind of got him kicked off and it's the same guy running it. And okay, so that's what that was. Okay. Yeah. I couldn't tell like what the time frame of that was, like why... Yeah, that the whole scene there with Bruce Lee, if you if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. That whole scene was the reason why he couldn't go with Leo that one day. Okay. Um and and further, it goes even it goes to another memory of him potentially killing his wife. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's like inception. I've got some questions about that too. Like is that a character that's supposed to be based off a real person, like a know. real stuntman or something? Because I feel like they talk about that and then they just gloss over it. So I don't know. I didn't know if it was something like referring to something that actually happened in Hollywood in the '60s that I just don't know it, about. It, or it, it very well could be because I think I think Rick Dalton's based off Clint Eastwood. Do you? Absolutely. He's a TV actor in a western. Uh, he briefly did some singing. Tried to get into like a singing genre hmm. he, and like. That part where DiCaprio's on stage singing with those girls dancing is is spot on for an Eastwood. Um, Eastwood did that. I don't think okay. Eastwood would have ever done that. And then he gets out of that and gets into movies. And uh, That's interesting. Yeah, I think it's Eastwood. Just while we're talking about that scene right there, real quick, does Quentin Tarantino have some weird beef with Bruce Lee? Because I feel like he kind of made him look like a bitch in this movie. No, he definitely did. And that's been the height of some controversy out there. It's like all... Bruce Lee's camp and uh, descendants and grand great granddaughters of Bruce Lee or whatever, uh, they're all up in arms about how he portrayed Bruce Lee in this movie because he just gets his ass kicked by Brad Pitt. Right. Yeah. And well, and they just make him out to be like just a little shit talking. Like I, I don't know. Like the whole his whole character is just kind of right. But I, I think I think actually in back in the I was talking with my dad earlier about it, and we've my dad and I have had this conversation for a long time about Bruce Lee and Muhammad Ali. It was a real thing back in the day. Like mm. they. They, okay. they hype in a fight between the two. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I think that part's real. And I think most red-blooded Americans think that uh, Muhammad Ali would whip the shit out of Bruce Lee. I mean, a boxer would be the martial artist is what is what the, the argument is. Sure. Um, but the scene's incredible. Uh, I think the way yeah. it wraps up with uh, Zoe Bell owning the the lot or whatever, and then her husband is Kurt Russell, who's the stunt man, which to yeah, me is funny. a straight callback to Death Proof. I mean, he just yeah. reprises his role. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it's pretty good. It's uh, it it's so different from other scenes. Like all all the scenes are just a little different. It's it's weird, but yeah. It's kind of cut together in a not a Pulp Fiction type way, but a Pulp Fiction type way with a linear straightforwardness. Um, you know, it doesn't go back and forth and forth and back. It's just a bunch of different stuff put together, right? To and, to build this time in history, right? Yeah. But they they like that's so comedic. There's there's scenes in it that are so cartoonishly comedic and kind of. But then, like, when there's also, like, parts that are suspenseful where the camera angles, like, at, at angles, which is very 60s horror mm. movie suspense. Oh, uh, like, yeah. You know, he, he, he does these things, but it's – the story as a whole – I don't know. It's, it's just – it's odd. It's a little weird. Sure. 
So speaking of the way um, other people are portrayed in this movie, Roman Polanski is just like Austin Powers. Is like that? Is that how he really was in the sixties? Is I that think like so. crushed ve- or velvet suits? Yeah, and driving I mean, a tiny, tiny car. Yeah, pirate shirt. With like yeah. the feathered pirate shirt. Yeah, all that. Yeah, I think so. Like that. That whole another another thing. Like that whole scene with the Playboy Mansion. Yeah. What What was that accomplishing? I don't. I don't know either. I don't really understand that because it was just like I, I, there. There was no point to it. I think he just wanted to show what the Playboy Mansion looked like in 1969. Looks the same. It's a, yeah, I guess so. And that Mansion. dude that was playing Steve McQueen. That's uh, right. I can't remember his name. Damien something or other. Like yeah. he kind of looks like Steve McQueen looked in the 60s. So sure. maybe it was just like the excuse. We're just like, hey, you kind of look like Steve McQueen. Let's put him in this role. I, I wrote, and give him one line. Yeah. I, I wrote that down. I was like, what was this scene about? Um, was it just for that one joke that Sharon Tate likes has a certain type of men that looks like a 12 year old so, boy? Okay. That, so then, yeah. Was it just to make another dig at Roman Polanski? Like we'll dress him up like Austin Powers and then we'll make <laughs> this dig that he looks like a 12 year old boy. Maybe. See, I mean, I'm going is... to say it's just explaining the relationship of why, you know, Jay everybody Sebring. was in the house that night. I mean, Jay I think Sebring's character. Well, and also like, you know, this care, this, it's kind of like a, what it, what it's like, their careers are mirroring each other, but on a different, trajectory you know like she's going up and she's becoming more popular and she's like you know going to the playboy mansion and blah 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 and rick is like meanwhile you know on the downward slope of his career so it's just kind of like that parallel right there of showing showing him going up and down because i can't remember what was he like at home drinking and going over his lines like while that was happening right yeah basically yeah okay so one scene that that i have a question about it's when he's shooting the Western with Timothy Oliphant or Oliphant or however you say that guy's name. Um, and they're talking about the the Great Escape, the Steve McQueen yeah. movie. And he's mm-hmm. like, did you almost have that part? And then they show Leo in that part. Is that supposed to be implying that like he was cast in the movie and then was like fired, kind of like Eric Stoltz in Back to the Future? Or is that uh, like, what was that trying to imply? I, I wondered about that too, and I think I think that's him seeing it in his own mind that him playing that part. Is oh, what that I think. he could have played that's it. That's a good point. Okay. That's what that, the way I've interpreted okay. it. But yeah. yeah, there was like you said, there was just like random scenes in this movie that kind of threw me just threw me off a little bit. I yeah, yeah, you're I right. Place him in the timeline of what was happening. Um, something I noted. Um, Tarantino, uh, his foot fetish is clear and present in this. We got some dirty old feet oh, on screen. When, that, oh, with the 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 ranch, the spawn ranch. Yeah, well, the, that too. But when um the hippie when when the chick is in the theater too, watching them watching yeah. her own movie, she puts yep. her feet up on the seat. He's got and it's like nasty ass feet. Uh, yeah, he's got yeah he's got some he's got a foot thing, dude. Yeah. Clearly. Um, with that being said, that on Cool Whip and Sugar Cane, we have a few segments that we want to bring to you guys. Um, a lot of you might remember this, uh, but we have one segment where we call it uh, our movie marriage. And it's where we try to take two and sometimes maybe three movies and say, which, which of these movies got together and kind of had... Once upon a time in Hollywood. Had a yeah. What is it? What does it remind you of? And we've been doing this for a while, so it's time for this week's movie marriage. I need to tell you something. I'm pregnant. Are you sure? I got seven kids. I think I know what I'm talking about. Oh man, it's been a while since I've heard that, <laughs> yeah, and right. I will actually give our listenership out there five dollars if you. If you go on our Instagram and make a comment saying what movie that is from, that sound clip right oh, there. Yeah, 
Okay. I don't even think that uh, I know. Sugar Cane could figure it out. I know. <laughs> I know what movie. But yeah, but uh, on Movie Marriage, we're going to take a couple of movies and put them together and say, this is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Who wants to go first? <laughs> this was <laughs> a tough one. Don't it speak is, up now. It is tough. My first one was Boogie Nights, because I feel like that's kind of like the same thing. Dude has like a, had to, has a great career slowly goes down you know he's like trying to do whatever to make money and stay famous um but i don't know what my second one is i was trying to not pick a quentin tarantino movie but i almost feel like it's like death proof or something okay just because the stuntman aspect the stunt ref- he's, he likes stunt people it it was tough to think of i mean this movie was i i went into it thinking it was going to be dumb and i wasn't i wasn't going to like it but it's it's kind of unique i mean it's got its own thing and it's i don't know it's it, it's really good. You can't talk about, uh, and I know uh, Juicebox did his best to not reference a Quentin Tarantino film, but it's hard because to me, when I went to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, my movie marriage would be all eight Quentin Tarantino films got yeah. together in a bedroom and had an orgy, and one of them got pregnant, and that's what this was. All right, which ones? which i mean i think jackie brown was the the carrier of the baby okay and spit this one out all right all right who inserted Uh, oh god um this is gonna go off the rails but we don't know it was a mystery okay all right lights off all right okay i got you i'm i'm with you on the jackie brown because my movie marriage is jackie brown and the big lebowski and i'll explain Hmm. all right jackie brown i'll Full disclosure, I've never made it through. I've tried to watch it like five (laughs) different times. I fell asleep each time. There are parts of this movie that drag the fuck out. Um, Way too much driving. Way too much music. Um, Yeah, he he really had a hard on for the music. Yeah, I was like, man, maybe Zack Snyder did his score. So (laughs) the and then the Big Lebowski because it also has elements of Hollywood. It's it's there's comic aspects mm-hmm. it's uh there's a little bit of slapstick so i think but there's also good acting and there's some there's some drama pieces in it so i think those are my two my two uh couplings sure well and uh, now that we've done that i mean we might as well go into it and uh we've all seen the film we've all given you an idea of you know uh, some of the scenes we wanted to talk about um, but we also like to rate movies uh, on Cool Whip and Sugar Cane's Redbox Movie Reviews. Yes, and we, we all do. have our rating system. And this rating system has come a long way and evolved over time. And just briefly, we want to go through it for you guys who have never heard Cool Whip and Sugar Cane's Redbox Movie Reviews. We have a rating system of three. Whether you like the movie, we're okay with the movie, or just disliked it altogether. Um, I'm going to go with mine, which is... The most disliked would get this rating. If God meant to do it that way, you'd all be pissing in your faces. Looks fine to me. And if I was okay with the movie? I got it! I got it! I got it! I don't got it. You klutz. And then if I absolutely loved the film. I just saw the most amazing thing in my entire life! So obviously all my rating system is from the Goonies. And this week, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is going to get... Got it. You clutch. 
And the only reason I say that is because I was so pumped to go see this movie. I actually went to see it by myself at noon. I took my lunch break from work the day it came out and went to see it. And I, I, was just, I, I think yeah, I, that's a long lunch break. It is a very long lunch, two and a half hour lunch break. Um, <laughs> and I was just, I hyped myself up way too much and I've got to go see it again. And that's what Tarantino, it, it doesn't really sink in until the second or third time I've actually seen it. So yeah. that's my rating right now. Okay. I, I think that's a pretty good uh, synopsis. All right. So my lowest rating My middle-of-the-road rating. So be it, Jedi. And my top dog rating. Impressive. <laughs> Most impressive. Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, I kind of want to hear that again, but I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go... So be it, Jedi. Because I'm, I'm with you. There are things, there are things in this movie that are absolutely flawless. And there are things in here that are just, I'm like, what is this? I don't, what am I watching here? So, um, and it, it just, uh, that's it. Yeah. I think, I think it's good. It's worth seeing. It's sure. still Tarantino. It's better than half the shit out there. Um, okay. So my lowest rating is. Buzz your girlfriend. Woof. Middle of the road. Guys, I'm eating junk and watching rubbish. You better come out and stop me. And the top one? A lovely cheese pizza just for me. Obviously all from Home Alone. Um, I'm going to go... A lovely cheese pizza just for me. Because I went into this movie thinking it was going to just be okay. You know, I'm not the I'm not the biggest Quentin Tarantino fan. I do like a lot of his movies. Like, the first time I saw Pulp Fiction, that changed my life as far as, like, realizing what a movie could possibly be true yeah so i went into this movie thinking it was just going to be okay and then i was very surprised with how good it actually was the true testament i feel like for me is like i got out of the movie i was like yeah that was pretty good i continued to like think about scenes and think about the movie like into you know next day at work and stuff like that which to me i'm still thinking about it yeah like i want to go see it again that's Um, what i'm saying i really like after the fact thinking about it more may it really made me appreciate it even more. So I, I don't know. I think it's definitely worth seeing. Yeah. It, yeah. If, it, even if you're a moderate Quentin Tarantino fan. Absolutely. Do we need to, and this is something we did not discuss. Uh, do we need to get into the final scene of the movie? And this is where, you know, the reality really takes a turn. From uh, let's, let's not spoil it. You now. I mean, we've talked about some spoilers. Let's leave. Let's leave that. Off. Sure. If you haven't seen this, it ends with a bang. And yeah. it's one of those bangs where it, it's a bang. Which way you look at it? Like you're kind of confused. You're kind of excited. You're kind of like, what's going on? And then when it's over, you're like, oh, I got it. I, I would like to know where I could get a 50 cent cigarette like that, though. Oh, yeah. A what? An acid oh, dip cigarette? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, there, is, there is a great part in the movie where Brad Pitt gets an acid dipped cigarette, which I guess they were handing out in on Hollywood Boulevard in 1969. Yes, sir. For only 50 cents. Got a whole change jar, y'all. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I will say one thing when we talk about the comedic part of Tarantino in this movie is uh, I loved when DiCaprio comes out of the house with the full picture of uh, frozen margaritas in the middle of the, the yeah. cul-de-sac <laughs> yeah. and confronts those kids He's in that car. That, yeah. that shit to me, I mean, it's that straight 69 get off my lawn Tarantino. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was pretty awesome. Yeah. That was great. 
So I just want, I got a couple more notes I want to just throw out there, see things I noticed. Um, so they have the Wilhelm scream within like the first 45 seconds of this movie. The what? The, the Wilhelm scream, which is like the scream that's in like every movie. Ever. Yeah, it's been in like 500 movies and it was originally used like in the early 50s in like a Western or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And now it's just like one of, it's like an Easter egg that's in movies. Gotcha. So it was like first scene when they're showing somebody, I think, fall off the roof and get in shot. that TV shit. Yeah, they show that. <gasps> yeah. We could play it right here. Ah, <laughs> uh, I gotcha. You've never heard it. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things. It's like once you know what it's called and like realize it, like you notice it in every single movie. Yeah. Uh, another note I had was, uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, but the dog food flavor was raccoon flavor and rat flavor. <laughs> I did not I, notice I, that. I did notice that. That's in Brad Pitt's trailer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. It is. It was cool to do, like, when you open Tarantino movies in the last 20 years, they've all opened with this very distinct feature picture presentation thing that comes up with mm-hmm. the, the music and everything. Yeah. And it was cool that they didn't do it off the bat, and I was looking for it, and then they eventually did it in yeah, the movie. Yeah, at the drive-in theater. At the drive-in. Yeah. yeah that, I thought that was a cool... That was a great touch. Uh, and one one other thing I wanted to ask you guys about. So it shows uh, Rick fucking Dalton in what's the movie called? Fourteen Fists or something like yeah, that. Yeah. And it shows him he's got the flamethrower. He blasts the Nazis with the flamethrower. He's got that patch over his eye. Is that supposed to be like a shout out to that uh, Tom Cruise Valkyrie movie where he's got the patch over his eye? They're like the Nazi kill. They're the Germans that are against the Nazis or whatever. I can't remember exactly what the plot of that movie. Does is. he kill him with the flamethrower? I don't know. He was. I American. don't think he does. Yeah, was he American? Uh, Dalton was in the movie because he's like, "Hey, who who wants your oh, that's fried right. sauerkraut?" That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it might just be. I feel like movies back then they were like, "All right, we need to switch things up. Put an eye patch on him." Yeah, and I, I think it was just an like easy prop for back in the day. That also one of my other se- favorite scenes is when it shows him practicing with the flamethrower and he's like shooting. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! This is way too hot." He's <laughs> like, "It's a flamethrower." <laughs> That is good, man. That's, there's I'm, there's some really good stuff in it. Yeah, man. I mean, like just talking about it now, like makes me appreciate it even more. Yeah, it's it's good, man. So yeah, go see it. Uh, we do recommend it, even if we gave it a middle of the road rating. It's still it might not be the top of Tarantino, but Tarantino's better than the majority of anything out there. It's an original idea, which is hard a- to come by now. Absolutely. Um, the le- before we get out of here, I wanted to bring something else up that most of you, because we are recording this in the state of Tennessee, so we have to bring up the fact that every single movie Tarantino has made has mentioned a city uh, or the state of Tennessee. Yeah, this one does. Too. Yeah, so he because he was born in Knoxville, mm-hmm. um, and I actually took a, a trivia quiz the other day to see if I could name each state or city in the uh, in the state of Tennessee that is mentioned in each film, and I got like four out of eight. <laughs> mm-hmm. I couldn't remember very many of them, but uh, he was born in Knoxville, and and that's something that I like is the fact that he plays o- pays ode to. Uh, where he's born, yeah, and everyone. Cool. So I like to look that out, and we also wanted to bring up Red Apple Cigarettes, who've kind of made an appearance oh, yeah. in very most of all of his movies as well. Um, and did let me ask you this: Did you guys stay for the post credit scene in this film? I did uh, not. No, it was pat. It was twelve thirty at night this morning <laughs> when it when it went off. I didn't know that there was one, and that's come to light since then. <gasps> um, and apparently, it's a pretty long scene, or not that long, but it's uh, Rick Dalton 
uh, on the set of a very successful TV show, that show that they call they keep calling back to, yeah. and it's back then when he is the at the height of his career and he's trying to cut a promo for Red Apple cigarettes. And apparently he smokes one, and he's like, "These things suck." And then he starts tearing up the set because they're they're not letting him go off script. <laughs> oh, I thought um, you were gonna tell me he got the Soul Stone or something, right? <laughs> like, come on with the fucking post credit yeah. scene. Like, can we just stop? I'm kind of I'm kind of surprised Tarantino did one. I, I guess it's, I'm really surprised. That's why I left. I didn't. I was like, post credit scene. There's no way in this movie. It's kind of like hidden songs back in the '90s, like that they'd put on CDs, like the like. Oh yeah, you yeah. have to wait. Yeah, it's making you wait. Yeah. And that's what I don't want to sit through. A, Still a, a stupid five idea. to ten yeah. minutes of credits to see another little thirty second clip. Yeah, um, just huh. post that shit online. Yeah. Or just go. put it in the goddamn movie. Yeah. <laughs> or that. There you go. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed a, a special surprise episode from Cool Whip and Sugar Cane's Redbox Movie Reviews today. Um, we will be back next week with um, the guys from Raising Nashville. Yep. Uh, next week, we're actually going to do a Tennessee-based episode. We're going to be talking about Jack Daniels, the history of Jack Daniels, and um, you know a little bit about... <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yeah. Are we going to taste Jack Daniels? I hope so. Okay. I love it. All right. So stay tuned for another episode of Raising Nashville coming at you next week. Don't jam up my red box. Don't jam up my red box. Read it quick. I ain't got time to wait. <laughs> <laughs>